listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Indeed, welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. My name is Eric Daw, your personal guitar scientist with 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. Sitting beside me is not my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. No, it is Mm-mm. my buddy, Nat. Say hi, Nat. Hello. This is the part where Nat reads the part that <laughs> Melissa would normally say. <laughs> this is so hard. How does she do it? Yeah, right. Melissa says, "Greetings. I will le- I will read the listener submitted questions and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a pro- professional luthier." Not as easy as it sounds. No. Huh? How and I tell you what, that? the this intro was awful. You can tell <laughs> I wrote it. It's terrible. It's just it's just you know, if oh. anybody wants to write a better intro for the show, just send it in. I'll use it. Believe me. Nat is filling in for Melissa, who is uh, on vacation. She took a little sabbatical. She well deserved. Yeah, she went to visit her friend in, in Maine, far away. Mm-hmm. She'll be back tomorrow, but that's okay, because we have plenty to talk about, and Nat is good enough to fill in. And, you know, people write in, they say, hey. That episode no, with Nat don't. was pretty cool. They do. They they say, you know, when Melissa's not available, Nat makes a pretty good foil. Yeah. That's what they said. Yeah. How, do you, how do you like I, that? I am glad to be part of the team. I'll do whatever I can to help. He's a pretty good foil. Yep. Well, here we are. It's the Ides of March. Is it? And it's everything you thought it would be. Uh, it was, uh, oh, did you, did you remember to set your clock on fire? Because time isn't real. They're, no, it's the... Uh, they're automatic nowadays. Did you fi- well, yours Most are. Most of them, yeah. My house is... You've seen not my... Not We're in my house. Mm-hmm. You've seen all my clocks. Mm-hmm. They're not automatic. No, they're not. So I had to run around and set reset all my clocks because of this stupid daylight savings baloney. Man, if you live in Hawaii, congratulations, because... They don't do it? They don't do that there. Arizona really? and Hawaii refuse to participate, which... Yeah. How nice would that be? be pretty cool how dumb is it to take an hour off the morning and put it at the end of the day and then now you think you've got more sunshine somehow i do like more sunshine i hate daylight savings here's my uh major qualm about complaining about it is i used to work nights and when i'd hear people complain about how they were destroyed by shifting their schedule you know one hour when i was shifting it 12 hours and 8 days. I was unsympathetic. The thing that drives me crazy is the sun doesn't care what time your clock says. It doesn't? No. No. And 
it just is absolutely if day if daylight savings is so great, then let's have it all year long. Yeah, I think they will. There's there's talk of that. Oh, I hope. Oh, yep. I would vote. I would vote for a dead dog if they <laughs> if they promised if they promised to abolish I daylight didn't know savings. This. You felt so strongly about. I this. hate it. It's the and I don't get worked <laughs> up about stuff like this generally. No, you but never I, do. I hate daylight savings time, but that's this. That's not what this is about. This is a podcast about guitars. I, we've got some calls. Shall we take some some yep, telephone calls? It. Let's see what happens when we uh, push this button here, do it. and then we'll uh, then we'll do this button here. Yeah. Hi, Eric and Mel. This is Joe in Denver. Uh, Eric, I've got a question about spot leveling a couple of high frets. Um, mm-hmm. I find myself in a situation where I get a new guitar. Um, a used guitar, and um, it has, say, two or three high frets in, in a particular area, and so I I attempt to do a spot level of those, um, and after I'm done, the frets on either side of those are high, and so I'll spot level those, and then, again, I now there's high frets on one side or the other of those, mm-hmm. and it seems like I start with trying to spot level two frets, and before I know it, I'm sort of chasing a high frets all the way down the fretboard to the point where it seems like even if I have two high frets, it makes me think I should have just leveled the entire thing. Uh, so I guess the question I have for you is, uh, uh, do you have any uh, advice around doing spot levels? Uh, does it sound like I'm just doing it wrong, which is totally a possibility? Uh, or is this just the nature of the beast? Uh, thanks. Appreciate your answer. Yeah, you bet. Well, I mean, I'm going to assume a few things, like you're using a straight edge to check what frets are high and In what advance. frets aren't, Yeah, right? And so uh, if if you're leveling off the high frets and then, uh, then the surrounding frets are high, then you've just simply gone too far. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. And there's ways around this. You know, you can... Um, there's tricks around this. If if you so you adjust the truss rod so the neck is as straight as possible, you know, no strings on it. Adjust the truss rod so the neck is as straight as possible. Put a put a, a straight edge on there. You can see where the high frets are. Then I I will take and um, if say you've got one high fret, okay. Uh, I will take a uh, just a rounding file, a crowning file. And just start working on that one fret and then, you know, hit it three or four times with the file and then check it with the level. Then do it a couple more times, right? So I, uh, what I assume you're doing here is using a short flat file and, and filing the frets down and then, uh, and then crowning them. But maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what your technique was, but you didn't go into it, but just to, Put it simply, it sounds to me like uh, you're just going too far. Now, t- tell me again, crowning is the final profile that you're putting on there, like crowning, a wing shape? Yeah, crowning is putting a round top back on a okay. fret. So when you do a fret level, generally speaking, you, you know, if you're leveling the whole fingerboard, you'll take a long, flat file with a big handle on it or a big, mm-hmm. I've got a big steel beam that I'll put peel and stick sandpaper on and file oh. the frets you know all, all of once. all of the yeah. frets at the same time 
But when you're done doing that, the frets are like flat top. They, they're, they've been, you know, sawn off to where they're flat on the top. And that, um, uh, is, is not a good playing surface. You need a fret with a good rounded top. So, So yeah, I've got special files that have a little concave, concave or convex? Concave. Concave. A little thing with, you know, with teeth. With the proper profile. Yeah, Yeah. To, to put a round top back on the fret. Anyhow, my man, it just sounds like you went too far. I mean, that's putting it simply, you know. So uh, next time, just take it slower and easier. Yep. Just take a little bit at a time. Check it. Keep checking it with a straight edge, and uh, you should be good to go. That's that's my answer. Hey, Eric. Hey, Mel. How are you guys? Um, I love your podcast. Melissa's not here, man. Um, I'm no sure she's No matter what anybody funny. does, it's... Uh, Sublime comedy, I have to say, and informative. <laughs> um, no, are you sure you've, you're for, listening to the uh, right Eric, podcast? What do you? What are your? Is your opinion on the um, MIJ series of Fender reissue guitars? Um, I have a mid '90s MIJ Strat, and uh, I, I love it. Brought you one know, I bought it for cheap and kind of you know put some pickups in it, some custom shop pickups and pots. But uh, um, it's a it's a good quality guitar at this point. I I'm, I'm not really I'm not really uh, convinced on the hype, um, frankly. As far as like you know, everyone's going crazy for the MIJ stuff. Um, and then for Mel, uh, what is your um, opinion? I, I I have an old Tweed Fender amp um, that has the leather handle and it's mm. got a crack in it. Is do you suggest anything as far as like um, reconditioning it, or should I just replace it and just put uh, a new handle on it if I'm going to use it, or if there's any way to repair it? It's like it's like the the um, these old Fender handles, these leather handles have uh, they're stitched, and yeah. there's almost like two layers of leather. The top right. layer is cracked, and they're really through, nice. I think completely, and the bottom layer is still intact, but. Uh, yeah. I'm just wondering what you think. If I probably should just replace it, but I'm just wondering if you've got any suggestions on how to repair that top layer. I do on that. Anyway, keep it going. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks. Love it. We all appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, Melissa's not here to answer your leather question, but hey, we've got uh, we got Nat. <laughs> you want to hear my? Here's my idea. Well, um, let me ask this. Let me ask this. What did did he say? And did I miss? Did he say this was a vintage yeah. amp? It's a vintage amp. Yeah, and that's why I think what he, well, he got more specific and said, well, how would I repair it? Well, man, I don't know. It's going to be tough. And they are different. And sitting next to us is, uh, there are two amps with the vintage style vinyl handles, but they use the same clips as the actual vintage um, yeah. handles that are so much nicer and they have beautiful leather and they're more, uh, they're thicker and more contoured. I've got a leather handle on my, uh, about a 55 magnetone. It's very similar to a tweed deluxe and I don't pick it up by that handle. Right. What, what I would do is take that handle off, put it in a Ziploc bag, put it in the amp and get a new, as nice as you can find handle and, use that and then as far as repairing you'd have to 
talk to Melissa. Yeah. If if that's a vintage amp, what I would do is is hold that, carry that amp like a baby. That's what I do. And don't use the handle. Yeah. And leave the handle. But if you can replace that handle without damaging anything. And I it's, think you can. And it's not reversible. Some of those are, I've seen some where they're like riveted on and some where they're screwed on. Yeah. So th- it depends on how it's I think mounted. The clips are just the same as this. It may have. Um, bolts with that kind of flower design that don't have screw heads. Oh, but there's a nut yeah. and a washer on the inside. Yeah. yeah. So if you can replace it without modifying it, go for it. But on a vintage amp with a crack in the handle, I mean, even even a, a, vi- a nice vintage tweed fender amp, even if the handle is pristine, I, I'm carrying yeah. that thing like a baby. That's what I, I, don't, I do. I don't use those, those vintage leather handles because that was fine in the 50s, but... Uh, you, yeah. You know, I've seen old ones. They break. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want your amp to go bouncing down the stairs. Yeah. So that's what I would M-I-J do. Mij guitars. Oh, that he had another question. Yes, he did. Oh, I thought. What we do you were think? Off he, easy. He's a bit of a skeptic. What's your general impression of these made well, Japan? He's, he says he's not sure if he's buying the hype. Well, the hype is that bang for the buck, they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's the hype. Not that they're the end all be all amazing. You know. Uh, score of the century, just that they're decent, and certainly they are decent. Um, they typically have, you know, crummy electronics, so you upgrade those. But like the fretwork and the the paint and the wood quality mm-hmm. is is usually pretty good. I've owned several; they're decent. I mean, what more can you say? They're not killer. They're they're fine, but they're not like American vintage. Fenders, yeah. in my opinion, they're you don't need to seek them out, maybe, but I think they're pretty solid. Well, the thing was for a while, um, they were sleepers because nobody mm-hmm. nobody cared because they they're Asian and offshore, whatever you know. Yeah. Pe- people wrote them off for a long time, and so you could get them cheap. Mine well, was three hundred dollars. Yeah, about. Six years ago, yeah, seven years ago, and I think the prices have gone up. But yep. you know, you could get an '80s one in the '90s. You could get an '80s one for a few hundred bucks, and they were great mm-hmm. for that. You know, for a few hundred bucks, yeah, mm-hmm. they're great. So, you know, don't expect a two thousand uh, dollar guitar <laughs> when you're gonna when you're paying six hundred, right? But yeah, upgrade the electronics and. Um, they're a decent guitar. That's, yep. that's my opinion. Yep. Let's, they're good. let's see what else we got. I think we have another call. Roll I have, it. I have not screened these as oh, you can no. tell. I never do. I can't. I don't uh, have Eric time. And Melissa, this is Joe. And then again, thought of another question for you. Uh, Eric, you've talked quite a bit about the neck straightening press or the neck heating press. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of the clarify something you've, you've talked quite a bit about how it could help. Um, straighten a, a warped neck. Um, I have a neck with a twist in it that makes the high frets on the high strings uh, fret out and the uh, bass strings are uh, have a perfectly playable height. And it's my favorite neck, mm-hmm. and um, I would love the Fender-style neck. I'd love to get it straightened and uh, fixed somehow. Uh, and um, will the neck straightening uh, press help with a twisted neck. Thank you. 
Yes, it will. Absolutely. In fact, that's my go-to remedy for that. A twisted neck um, can absolutely be straightened out with the neck heating iron. What you do is you put a shim, you know, off center, oh, right off to the side to leverage the on on the yeah yeah right. So I mean, it's hard to explain, but you've got a, a neck where it's literally twisted with strategically placed shims. You can untwist it so and overcompensate it. Yeah, overcompensate it a little bit, and um, sometimes you know you have to take it slow. Sometimes you have to press it two or three times, and I'd rather I'd rather do that. Uh, then get it too hot and overdo it. You know, you want to you want to go mild, and you want to press it, you know, a <laughs> little bit at a time, and uh, force it with heat and pressure to where you want it to be. And absolutely, I've had great success straightening twisted necks with a, a neck press with they'll, a neck, neck heat iron. Stick that way. Yeah. I, is it worse? Is it harder to get a twisted neck to stay? That I think someone told me that. Uh, I had not in my experience. Up neck. No, not in my experience. Okay. Because wood um, will bend with heat and okay. pressure. I mean, it absolutely will. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, that's that's why we have acoustic guitars with, with bent sides, right? Yeah. You know, they bend that with heat and pressure, and, you know, they wet the wood, too, yeah. when they do that. But... Um, as far as necks go, and you know, necks are a lot thicker than acoustic guitar sides, but you can absolutely um, straighten them with with okay. A neck I, th- I thought iron. maybe a twist was harder than just a straight kind of two dimensional fix. Well, it's um, or it, less it's, likely to it's, stick. It's maybe more difficult from a technique mm-hmm. aspect, but it's not more difficult to to make the wood behave. I don't think. Huh? Yeah, okay. not in my experience. Good. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Thanks for the call. We got one more call here. Hey, Eric. Uh, my name is Adam, and uh, I just discovered your podcast, and I love it. Uh, I'm an That's aspiring uh, luthier and a part-time hobbyist uh, tech, and I'm trying to build the perfect uh, Strat Kelly hybrid, and um, I have the pickups I want. And, um, it's, uh, the ones I want to use are, uh, the, the strap pickups are active and the, uh, the Tele bridge pickup is, is a passive pickup. And I'm trying to find a way to, uh, combine those. Uh, I know it's really difficult and, uh, I was trying to think of a way to use uh, like a, like a super switch, you know, one of those, uh, you know, those super switches. Um, and I've, I've been having a heck of a time wiring that up i designed my own wiring um you know program for that i was wondering if you had any insight on making that work and i was going to use uh uh two volumes and two tones uh a uh, volume and tone for the strat pickups and then a volume and tone for the telly pickup um but wonder if you had any insight in that uh thanks man love the podcast can't wait to hear some back episodes cool thanks for listening thanks for submitting a question you know if we were just buddies sitting here drinking a beer and you were telling me your plan for how you're going to wire your guitar, you I tell would, them to not. I to. would say, man, <laughs> I know it sounds cool to you now, <laughs> but don't do that. Just don't. 
But since you're going to, no matter what I say, yeah. Well, here's the deal. Bless his heart. Yeah, you know. And hey, it's cool. You want to do something that you know you've you've got a bug in your in your bonnet there, and you you want to do something different. So knock yourself out. The problem you've got is you want to mix active and passive pickups, and they have radically different impedances. Mm -hmm. So, like your active pickup is going to want something like a 25 or a 10k probably 25k volume pot and your passive pickup is going to want a 250k or higher uh volume pot and so Mm. you can't really blend them like you won't be able to use both of these pickups at the same time you could try but what's going to happen is the active pickup is just going to completely overshadow the passive pickup the passive pickup won't even come through and you're going to have a huge volume balance difference. Well, he wanted, he did say he wanted to do two volume, two tone, I think. So if you're going to do two volumes and two tones, so it'd be like a, that'll be easier. But, um, you know, I mean, you could take it a step farther since you're getting nuts here. Just go to two jacks. You stereo. Could, you could do that. Go to two separate jacks and just keep each. Uh, circuit independent you could do that but trying to blend these at all just isn't it truly it just isn't going to work and um, the the question that comes to my mind is why like why are you doing this because uh, you're going to have such a radical um, volume difference yeah I'd guess he wants kind of two guitars in one Um, what about what he's talking about this super switch any idea what's going on there well, a super switch uh, is just a – so they have a five-way switch that mm-hmm. has um, an extra – Pole uh, or whatever. Yeah, wafer with all these contacts, and the, the thing has like oh. 22 solder lugs on oh. it. It's like – yeah, It's super. It's like, yeah, yeah. So oh. you can wire – you know, you can wire it 700 different ways. But your your problem isn't going to be in in – Mere switching. Yeah, in mere switching, you've got way bigger problems if you're trying to mix active and passive pickups in one guitar. But, yeah, give it a shot. It can be done, but just because it can be doesn't... Just because... Just because it can be done doesn't mean that it should be done. But if if you do it, have fun. Yeah. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I have to say. Yeah. All right, I think that's it for questions. Let me look. Yes, it is. So uh, that means that we have some letters. letters. Yeah. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Take it away, Nat. Oh, man. I wasn't ready. I was listening to that beautiful music. Eric, did you ever fix the speaker cabinet for your self-made tube amp that you made out of a tape player, or did you build a new one? Wants to know what happened to that cabinet. Right. I suspect that with all the work you have, it may have been moved to the back burner for a while. I agree with the suggestion to reinforce the sides with birch ply and put in a new baffle board. It would be nice to hear hear it again if it is finished. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, we had this question on the last podcast. I don't know if mm-hmm. you listened, Nat, but I heard Melissa it. and I fielded this question, and I didn't have much to say other than... I put it in a new cabinet. So now we've got Nat here. I yep. told Nat, hey, you're coming over. Bring your amp. We're going to record them again. We're going to do this again. So um, 
if you don't remember, back in uh, episode 88, we recorded my amp. and We Nats built two amp kit that, amps yeah. uh, with all the same parts, same general characteristics, right? 10-inch mm-hmm. speaker in each. Yeah, we built them side by side. So uh, Trinity Triton is the name of the kit. And uh, so the chassis are identical, I mm-hmm. think. Well, we think there may be tiny capacitor differences and 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 other differences. Oh yeah, I would tried to get just I, yeah. I tried to get cool, and I think I used a couple of vintage caps. You got in vintage the, in the you? tone circuit. Yeah. Anyhow, um, I put mine in a old reel-to-reel masonite yeah cabinet, and it just sounded like poop. Here, let me it sure look good. This though. is from this is from episode eighty-eight. This is. <laughs> That's what the amp sounded like. Okay. That's that's what mine sounded like then. And uh, now it's in a new cabinet, so we'll record what that sounds like now. Okay, here we go. Sounds better, but it still doesn't sound as good as Nat's. Let's switch the, put the cable into your amp, Nat. Here's Nat's. Yeah, just your amp just sounds better. Yeah. There's just no way around it. I don't know what I did wrong. Well, it's got some sparkle. It's got yeah different speakers. You want to play a little more? Yeah, they're the speakers are different. That is one thing. So Nat's amp has a Weber speaker. And mine has a reissued Jensen, and so that is different. Um, My cabinet is a little bit smaller, and it's plywood. Your amp is, your cabinet is a little bit bigger, and it's not ply. It's solid solid pine. Uh, But my amp just sounds dead. This is back to mine. Go back to yours now. He's gonna he's gonna switch the cables and go back to to his. So this is Nat's. It's just fuller. It just has it just has more character and it's and it's fuller and it has resonance. Yeah, more resonance. That's a shame. Mine sucks and yours sounds good. Anyhow, that's as much of a follow up as you get. My amp still sounds like poop. And Nat still sounds better, but mine mine does sound better than it did. Uh huh. But it's still not as good as yours. Yeah. And they they have different speakers. Yeah. I think there may be different tone capacitors. Yeah, I tried to get cool with my tone caps, and I used some vintage Domino Mica caps on the tone yeah. circuit. Maybe I should it get sounds in there. Vintagey. Yeah. Whatever. Anyhow. So there's cabinet resonances and a few things like that, but. You know, it's a fun project. and Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's a fun little amp, and mm-hmm. I never I never think this thing sounds like crap. It's just when you bring yours over, then I realize how much better yours sounds. So that's okay. Yeah. Maybe it'll be good for harmonica. It's got that white jewel light, too. It's beautiful. I know. Yours looks better, Fender too. Fender blonde. Yours is cool. Yeah. All right, next question. Let's see. 
about tool misuse. Stand by. Eric. Tool misuse. He's got a heading. I have in my shop a leather hole punch that is used more often as a back scratcher than to punch holes in leather. Do you have a tool or tools in your shop that are misused in a creative way more often than its normal expected usage? What is it, and how are you misusing it? Mm. Ron in the Ozarks. Thanks, Ron. Uh, I do have a bunch of tools. You know, I'm always scrounging for weird things in thrift stores, and then I use oh, them. Yeah. So, like, for example, um, to steam necks off of acoustic guitars, I use an old espresso machine. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's not exactly a, a tiny little what one. it was made for, but yeah, it works great. I just need the steam. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it works great. Another thing that I use all the time, you know, back in the day when, when freezers needed to be defrosted. Oh yeah, I know this tool. They, they made a little, it's just a heating element with a handle. It's like a waffle iron with but, no plates. But, and then it's got a little cage around the heating element with feet, right? And so you stick it, you unplug your freezer, you stick it in your freezer, the heat melts all the ice, mm-hmm. and then you catch it in a bucket or something. Yeah. And it's literally just a heating element with a handle, and it's for defrosting freezers. Well, I buy them where, whenever I see them because they're great for heating up bridges to remove bridges yep. from acoustic guitars or to heat up uh, fingerboard extensions to when you go to remove necks. And other people wouldn't even recognize this thing. Or to heat up anything. Yeah, because it's a weird deal. Yeah. I mean, how long have freezers been self-defrosting? Like 30, 40 years? Yeah, probably. You know, but you find them, at least I do. Yeah, I you do. I haven't found one for a long time, but I I think I've, I think I have three or four of them. That's a good, and they're great. Yeah. They're great. Good and, little and thing. And really, like, the the heating element is exactly the same size as, as an acoustic bridge. Yep. I mean, it's like made for the job. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's a strange little small paddle-looking thing with a, you know, grill on it just wide enough to keep large fingers out. That's all I can think of. I'm sure that, I mean, almost every tool I have is something that I've repurposed from from some crazy thing, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I do have quite a few store-bought tools, but. You never know. Yeah. Gotta be creative. All right, next. Let's do another one. Hi, Eric and Melissa. Sorry. I hope this isn't extensively geared towards Melissa. This person is probably dis- is. severely disappointed. <laughs> Imagine these people paying for this podcast and then it's not her. Hoping Melissa shows up and, and then here oh, you I'm are. So sorry. Uh, we'll muddle through. Thank you so much for the podcast. I've learned so much over the past few years from Eric. And Melissa, your leather work is really beautiful. We'll let her know. That is true. A question on scalloped necks. Here we go. Over quarantine, I put together a parts parts caster with a scalloped neck. I bought it from eBay. I also have one of those notched straight edges to tell when the fingerboard is flat and to then level the frets. But with the scallops, you can't really use it because the fingerboard is not flat by design. It's, mm-hmm. The fingerboard's not there. How might you straighten the neck before leveling the the frets on a scalloped neck. You want to go on? Or sure. Let's to, take that yeah. one at a time. So, um, put the, put the notches on the frets, my man. Would that do it? Well, yeah. I mean, look, well, it's you're overthinking can. this. 
it's it's all you can do. Yeah. I mean, just get, all use a, you. like, imagine you had just a straight edge without the knots, without the notches. I can't speak tonight. Yeah. A straight edge without the notches would just rest on the frets. What you've got is a tool to tell you whether the fingerboard is true or not, but the frets are that's all that's left. Pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> if well, you if you just put put those notches on the frets instead of in between the frets, then that should tell you a whole lot about what's yeah. going on. And you're not touching the fingerboard anymore, so that's the critical yeah. thing there. Okay, good. Um, also, a more general question about neck relief and bolt-on neck angle. I've had to add a little bit of tilt to the neck with a, with a spacer under the neck, uh, sort of like those Stumac neck pocket angle plates. My question is, how do you know whether you need more relief in the neck or need to change the neck angle or overall pocket height to get the optimum setup? Seems like there are an infinite amount of angle relief combinations that might work. Thoughts? This is from Mike. Thank you and keep up the good work. That's a tricky one. Thanks, Mike. Well, it's not as tricky as you think. If you're a guitar scientist. Um, well, the, the, um, the relief in a, in a neck on, on a bolt on neck for me. So we're talking about fenders, basically. If we're talking mm-hmm. about bolt on necks, we're generally talking about fenders or fender copies. Okay. Maybe you've got some weird, you know, fender copy, but it's fender style. So mm-hmm. a fender style guitar with a bolt on neck. I like them. I like to set them up with as straight a neck as possible. So I put almost no relief in the neck at all if I can get away with it because okay. uh, uh, most fenders, or at least, you know, back in the day, they had a seven and a quarter inch radius. And when you start bending notes up high on the neck, you'll fret out mm-hmm. if you've got too much relief. So I actually like to set those up with the neck as straight as possible. So from there... Um, and you can put a tiny bit of relief in it, but I, I really don't recommend a whole, a whole lot of relief on a bolt on fender style neck. So from there, um, you set the thing up and where are the saddles? That's, that's going to tell you whether or not you need a shim in the neck pocket. So if you've got it set up, the neck is straight and this, you've got the saddles adjusted super low, but the action's still high then you need a shim in the neck pocket. As judged by the butt end of the neck, the back end of the neck, or as, how do you know if your saddles are too high or too low? You sight down okay. the neck? Well, the action should be a certain okay. height. Yeah, you're with, setting with up the guitar. Okay. And you've, you're lowering the saddles, and then okay. at some point, you run out of adjustment, right? The screws actually will start coming out of the saddle, and the saddle is resting on the bridge. Okay, yeah. So that tells you everything you need to know. The other um, thing that sometimes happens is you've got the saddles sitting way high, and at some point the the saddle starts to leave the adjustment screw, Mm -hmm. and so that tells you everything you need to know about neck angle and whether or not you need a shim or whether or not you need to take the shim out. So it's really not as complicated as you think. Okay. Good. Yep. Thanks, Mike. Let's see. Oh, we got a quick one. Good. From Take Cam. It. Yeah. I like quick ones. 
Hello, I only have two bad frets on my electric guitar, and one is getting bad on the acoustic. Is it a must that all frets be replaced? When you're doing a, this is from Cam, Mm -hmm. when you're doing a fret job, do you have to do them all at once? Thanks, Cam. Uh, it, it depends on a lot of variables. I mean, he says that fr- he's got two bad frets. What do you mean by bad? Are oh, they, he just knows. Are they loose? He's got a sense for it. Are they, are they sharp on the edge? I mean, what do you mean by bad? Are they, are they pitted or are they flattened off or Grooved. do they have major yeah. grooves in them under the, under the string path? Big grooves? Or are they just, is that fret just buzzing? It could or, be and, that too, and yeah. which fret? You know, the, are we talking about the first and second fret, or the tenth and eleventh fret, or what? You know, so there's a lot of variables here. I I really wouldn't know uh, whether or not they need to be replaced without seeing the guitar. So uh, it's hard for me to answer. But I would tell you, generally speaking, perfectly good frets don't need to be replaced. So I've seen this before. Like if you have one fret that got impacted by something and got dinged. So like there's one fret that's literally damaged. Yeah. You can just replace that one fret. If all the frets are, if all the rest of the frets are perfectly fine, you can just replace one fret because you can, you know, you can get the proper, the proper size of fret wire to match the other frets. Yeah. And, uh, and if it's a little bit tall, you can shave it down, you know, so, uh, if the rest of the frets are good, wh- you know, why would anybody replace them? But, um, it just depends. Like if, if all of your frets are worn, but only one fret is starting to get fret buzz, then, then yeah, it might be time for a complete refret or at a minimum, uh, y- you know, you might have to do a, a partial refret and then a total fret level to blend the old and new frets there you go. in together. Okay. But if all the frets are getting pitted and grooved and worn and, and you've already had one or more fret level jobs done, then yeah, it's probably time for a refret. So it's there's a lot of variables there, and it just depends on the condition of the frets and what you mean by frets are getting bad, because I don't know. But let me tell you this, something I do know is <laughs> that this episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by the delicious Apex Coffee. It's the best. Yeah. I know. I probably I, hit I, the spot. Well, I... I You've had Apex coffee, mm-hmm. right? Isn't it good stuff? Dang good. It's so good. The oversteer. Oh, is that what you had? Isn't that what it's, that blend? Yeah, there's, well, they have a whole lot of I've different blends. Apex coffee roasters based in Waco, Texas. They search the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. You can order Apex coffee online. If you're a podcast listener, you can get 10% off by using my promo code PINUP at checkout. That's P-I-N-U-P to get 10% off from apexcoffeeroasters.com. I've talked a lot about how I roast coffee. I'm a big fan of those vintage Farberware stainless steel percolators. Yeah. How do you roast coffee at home? Aeropress or a pour-over thing. See, you you turned me onto the Aeropress, which is great. Yeah. It makes great coffee. Yeah. But it makes one cup of great coffee. Mm-hmm. And that's my problem with it is that we don't really. You're not lonely have enough. time for, yeah. for one yeah, cup of coffee. I hear you. But that does make good coffee. And the pour over is good too. Mm-hmm. That really does make good coffee. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you Simple. had, have you had coffee out of my Farberware, uh, yeah, stainless? I think, I think I have. 
It's a little boy, a little bit cowboyish, a little bit mm. perfect for you, maybe <laughs> a little bit old fashioned. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's exactly right. It's coffee for back when the country was strong. That's when a right. buck was still silver. Well, well, I tell you what, life happens. Coffee helps. Mm-hmm. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. We'll be right back after this break. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick at PlayersGearMusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music. You can order a neck straightening iron. Some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I, I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I, I, think it, I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've, I've used a lot. I've made my own. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one from playersgearmusic.com. They're $7.49. I know that seems like a lot. It's it's a tool. I tell you what, it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over. If you go to his website and make an offer for $6.99 and mention the Fret Files podcast, $6.99, free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron a neck press, a neck heater, whatever you want to call it. Playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you, it's an invaluable tool, indispensable. I'd be lost without mine. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out, and don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. Hey, guitar nerds. Visit MelcoLeather.com to check out a variety of made-to-order leather guitar straps, or you can email MelcoLeather at gmail.com for custom work. Every Melco guitar strap is designed and built by hand by me. Check out my Instagram at MelcoLeather to see examples of my past work, and as an added bonus, I offer free shipping in the U.S. for orders over $35. Visit MelcoLeather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O Leather.com. Do you have any idea what I do with my time? Let me tell you. It's consumed entirely by building custom guitars, repairing and restoring guitars, making custom guitar pickups. I make a replica black guard uh, Bakelite pick guards. These are all available online. You can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's more the repair side of things to see what's going on there. I've got a price chart. I've got, you know, pictures, examples of work. I've got a custom pickup order form. I would love to help you with your guitar repair or restoration or uh, just, you know, whatever you got in mind. Shoot me an email. Whatever. Give me a call. If you want to see the guitars I make, go over to pinupcustom.com. Guitars.com. That's P-I-N-U-P, like pinup girl. I always feel like I have to spell it. I probably don't. You uh, understand, I'm sure. Anyway, check it out, and uh, I'll see you there. Okay, next question. Hi, Eric and Melissa. Love the show, and I've been listening for a long time. I love the honesty and that you debunk a lot of myths in the guitar world. Thank you. You know, that is a good comment. 
I have an Epiphone Gothica SG from the early 2000s, the early aughts, I might say. And the first thing I did when I got it was uh, replace the bridge pickup with a Seymour Duncan JB, since the stock pickups were not good. It's a very bright, a very light guitar, excuse me, and very playable. However, sounds very thin, and I know that's the nature of it being a cheap, light wood. Wondering if you have any pickup combinations or mods, pot or capacitor tricks, to make it warmer and add some low end to the sound. Or in general, if there are pickups you currently love. I've been debating getting some Golden Age ones from Stumac, which sound great in my Strat. Thanks in advance from Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, a couple things come to mind. You know, I always I always think of the simple fix first. Have you experimented with pickup height in that guitar? Yeah. Because so many people don't. If you're lacking low end in that thing, just move the base side of the pickups a little closer and see if that helps. Just a tiny bit. It, I mean, tiny increments make a huge sonic impact. They really do. You'd be surprised. If you haven't experimented with that, you'd be surprised. That being said, you know, it might just be the guitar. Sometimes guitars just don't resonate very well, and cheap guitars certainly can have that problem. But if you like those Golden Age pickups from Stumac, maybe give that a whirl. Yeah, since he's, uh, that's probably a great idea, since he already has them, already used them, and likes them. If you want to get fancy and buy some expensive pickups, well, they're not that expensive, but... uh. Lawler makes a, a, a PAF clone, which they call the Imperial, which is an excellent, just excellent pickup if you wanted to get fancy. If you wanted to get super fancy, you could do that. But experiment with pickup height. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, people forget this, too. Your amp has knobs on it. And I know this is simple stuff, and it's almost condescending. But look, if you're lacking low end, try fiddling with your knobs on the amp. I mean, it's something that people don't do. Or play further from the bridge. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. Anyhow, thanks for the uh, question, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Eric, what glue did Ibanez use to attach fretboards to necks? Oh my God, I have no idea. I think you have special insight into what Ibanez did. Stand by. You, you have a few minutes to think about it. I've obtained an Ibanez scarf joint neck with a missing truss rod, truss rod nut that I wanted to use as a, as practice for creating a fretboard and fretting it. It was really buried in the neck. What was really buried in it? Oh, and I could not even see the end of the rod, so I used an iron and wet cloth to steam off the cracked rosewood fretboard. Mm -hmm. It's a basket case. Mm-hmm. Underneath was an aluminum C-channel with an M6 thread truss rod possibly broken as the rod stops 10 to 15 millimeters from the nut location. The glue residue looks to be dark brown, or that could be the remnants of the thin rosewood fretboard which came off in pieces. This question is getting so specific that I'm starting, awesome. I'm starting to sweat. I'm starting yeah, to get scared. I, it's metric. It could be foreign people. Yeah. Did Ibanez use hide glue to attach the fretboard? I doubt it. Well, he got the fretboard off anyway. I was thinking of using hide glue and brads to attach and position the replacement maple fretboard. Any advice would be great. Oh. Thanks for your time. Well, yeah. Okay, sure. 
Um, I don't know what kind of glue they used, and neither do you, and neither does anybody else. I mean, really, I I would be so surprised if they used hide glue. Yeah. I almost can guarantee you it's something like tight bond or some kind of space age, you know, modern glue. Aliphatic resin, I think they generally call it. Hmm. Uh, so if that's the case, and we have to assume that's that that's the case, um, what you want to do is clean off all the old glue and then, uh, well, how do you do that? Then Hold on, that's well, just well, with sandpaper, okay, or, or scraper yeah. or something. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, scrape or sand, you know, all the old glue off. Uh, if it's water soluble, I mean, you could try cleaning it up with water, and if it cleans up with water, then that tells you something, but it's probably not going to be. I mean, it might even be epoxy. I don't know. Clean off all the old glue residue, and then you can use hide glue. Because mm-hmm. the problem you're going to have, if it's some kind of Japanese space age glue, is that hide glue is not going to stick to it. So you want to get down to the wood. So clean off all the old glue, and then carry on. Okay, that's a good one. Hi, Eric. Can you guys talk about this in the next podcast? What happened to Reverb? And I don't think this is from Alex. It doesn't mean the knob on the amp. This no, Reverb.com. Yep. Yeah. I got this email from them that says, after gathering feedback from numerous sellers, we've launched a new advertising dashboard to help you get your gear in front of as many buyers as possible. The implication is that you pretty much have to bump things if there's other similar listings in order to get it seen. What do you guys think? That's from Alex. Well, I agree with you. Um, Have you seen that? Yeah, and that's certainly something they're doing. They've oh. they've, they've actually uh, removed the cap that they used to have on bumping your listing. I mean, you could bump it however many, per- however, hmm. whatever percent you want now. You could bump it 10, 20, 50% if you want. I don't know why you would want to do that, but um, yeah. The the rub here is that they're <laughs> they're saying that they're doing it based on the feedback of numerous sellers, which yeah. I'm calling BS. <laughs> You're a little on skeptical that. on that, huh? Yeah, because <laughs> uh, everyone I've talked to um, actually is not a fan of this. So I don't know. Maybe well, maybe they talked to Sweetwater. Well. Specifically, it <laughs> right. says, this is a quote, after gathering feedback from numerous sellers, it doesn't say what so, the feedback was. No, that's right. <laughs> and not a, not and after listening to Numerous feedback. could be two. Yeah. So Sweetwater and uh, uh, Guitar Center. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. That's wild. Yeah, I don't know. What are you going to do? But the thing about Reverb is, where else are you going to go? You're going to go back better, to eBay? Right? You're gonna go to you're gonna go to G Base over there where that you could buy you could if you wanted to have that yeah if you if you're if you're interested in buying some tumbleweeds you could go over to G Base because that's <laughs> what's that's what's blowing through over there that's nice nobody uses that anymore anyhow yeah reverb ain't what it used to be but it's still better than everything else okay okay that's my opinion that's a good one next please. hi Eric I'm the proud owner of one of your pin up guitars. Well, thank you. Specifically, the Telly Style Carol, which I purchased from Emerald City Guitars a couple of years ago. I really love the guitar. It's a pretty good song, too, including the shape of the neck. However, I find the finish on the neck and the fingerboard just too sticky for my liking. 
Can you suggest a DIY process I could follow that would make the neck slash board substantially smoother or any other idea you may have? Thanks much in advance for your help, Jay. Jay, thank you. I appreciate you not only buying a guitar, but submitting a question for the podcast. Yes, um, my recommendation is, uh, and and you find this on many lacquered guitars. I mean, it's it happens on vintage Fender guitars. You know, the lacquer sometimes gets sticky. You, I find it on all kinds of mm. guitars with nitrocellulose lacquer. Um, and it just seems to be that some people's, you know, Personal moisture, chemistry. <laughs> moisture level of their hands or their, huh. yeah, just the chemistry of their sweat or something just doesn't work well with the lacquer. Um, what you can do is take some Scotch-Brite. Now, I wouldn't do this on a vintage Fender, but this isn't a vintage Fender. This is a, a, a copy. This is Carol, this is a replica. So if you take some Scotch-Brite, you can just degloss the lacquer. You know what Scotch Brite is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the little pads, scouring, scouring pad. pads. Comes they come in, in different grits yeah. with c- different corresponding colors. Yeah. You know, I think green is the roughest, or no, red is dark. Red is the roughest. Maybe use some gray. I think gray is light, medium. Gray Scotch Brite will just degloss the neck to the point that your hand won't stick to it. Right? Yeah. It may be taking oils off instead of the actual lacquer. Yeah, so a little bit of gray Scotch-Brite, and uh, that should get you where you need to be. Um, The other thing you can do is use steel wool, but I really, I kind of hesitate to mention that because those little steel wool particles, if you get them near the pickups, it it can kill your pickups. So if you use steel wool, if if you only have steel wool, you can use that. But what I would recommend is take the neck off the guitar, take the neck outside, like in your yard, and use it, you know, away from the body of the guitar. And then make sure you clean up all the little steel wool particles before you remarry Mm -hmm. the neck and body. Because those steel wool particles really are nasty. But steel wool or scotch bright and you can degloss that lacquer and that will help a lot now do you have a that's a good one do you have a guess or what would you do with a vintage neck live with it well absolutely that's what i tell people is don't you know but people do this anyway they'll they'll you see vintage guitars all the time where somebody sanded the neck off strip the finish they sanded the paint off the back of the neck yeah and what happens you know over time, it, a lot of vintage guitars, the back of the neck is bare wood, but you can tell that it, it, it happened naturally. Mm-hmm. From just playing. Just from playing. Yeah. that and, and what happens is it starts to get sticky because the lacquer is, like, you know, reacting to the yeah. oils and the sweat and the chemicals that your hand is putting on there. And it starts to break down, so... But... Uh, some people do that. Some people sand the back of uh, vintage guitar necks, but I do not recommend that. I do not. Okay. Anyhow, thanks y'all. Thanks everybody for participating. Thanks for uh, thanks to Nat. You're quite welcome. Appreciate you filling in. It's really hard yeah. doing this podcast by myself. It, you know, I haven't had to do that for a long time, and it's just torture. Yeah. So it's Melissa needs to come back soon. I know. I need. <laughs> this, I, I, this, I need it's to, not. 
as easy as she makes it sound. I need to increase her pay because yeah. uh, I think that work stoppage was uh, sufficient to get our attention. She, Yeah, she makes the podcast flow real well. Yeah, But hey, you did a great job. I appreciate you bringing over. Good. I, bring, I appreciate you bringing over your amp, and uh, we, we yeah. revisited that. So, and thanks to all of you for participating in the show, and thanks for listening. If you want to send in a question, you can go to my website ericdaw.com. That's e r i c d a w dot com. Click the contact link. Send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text seven five seven 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 four eight four eight two. Call or text, and uh, we'll use that as part of the show. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.